Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Next Steps podcast. Uh, we, we'd like to say we're recording this live, but we actually record it on the Monday. So this it says live on YouTube and those, but um, we're pre-recorded. And uh, so, but we'd like what we what we do encourage is at the bottom of our podcast or YouTube, you can actually write comments and have some chat and dialogue around together with others who are listening. But welcome, to Next Steps Podcast. Our Tuesday podcast is about uh, what did we learn or what do we want to further expand on from the sermon on Sunday. So uh, before we start, we'd like to pay our respects to, we, we acknowledge and pay our respects to our first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. Uh, we also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. So just want to acknowledge that before we kick in. So this morning we've got uh, John Bignall and Emily McCormack and Anne Herbert and I'm Dan Evenhouse. We're going to be just chatting through the sermon. So Anne took us through the sermon. And Anne, I've had a few people comment and say, oh, that was really good today, um, yesterday. So I had a few good compliments there. Basically, we've been going through this series called The Teaching of Jesus, um, The Truth That Shows Away. And uh, we've originally looked at Matthew 6 to 8, which is the Sermon on the Mount, um, and a bunch of Jesus' teaching. But at the moment, we're going through Matthew 12, 13, which talks about a bunch of his parables and teaching. So, and first, do you want to talk, and do you want to tell us a bit about what we mean by indirect teaching? Um, yes. Yeah, so, in Jesus' day, and in fact, wisdom teachers still use it a lot. They use stories to um, t um, unpack a deep spiritual truth or a moral or whatever, uh, because it helps people to connect differently. I think like Jesus used um, everyday um, examples to tell his truths um, and share his message about the kingdom because people could relate to it as a, as a um, direct experience, a lived experience for them. And, and that meant they didn't just engage content. In fact, it's almost like they could bypass content and go to the heart stuff um, and the spirit stuff and actually start thinking to themselves, well, what's this, what's this got to do with my life? How can I, because um, I knew at that time when they were hearing him and we, we can too, that when you hear a story, um, there's something in it that you can, can unpack a bit further. And, um, and so that's what Jesus did. Um, interestingly enough, his disciples who walked with him all the time still couldn't fathom why he chose that particular example, the farmer in the field. And so they asked him and he um, helped them understand. But I think the other reason why Jesus did it, um, he was already in a context of um, some people were really quite hostile to him because of what he said when he said it directly. Others were a bit iffy. They weren't quite sure. Um, and some people obviously were already well convinced and, and following him and quite devoted. And But for the ones who weren't sure or were hostile, this was a way of coming at it at an angle, if you like. And um, what he was trying to do was prompt their readiness for the word um, that where they weren't quite ready yet um, to kind of let it percolate 
and, and um, I used um, some of Parker Palmer's material from his book, A Hidden Wholeness, where he talks about third things and he says that this, um, that we have shy souls um, and we have things in our lives that we can find hard to face head on. They're difficult things. And so what a story does is allow us to put some distance between ourselves and the real issues in our lives, but not so much distance that we can't relate to it and can't um, see ourselves in the story and learn from it and learn insights um, in terms of how our lives work. Yeah. So, so we can have an objective view of a story that's external to us that mm. then we can identify with or relate back to us. Yeah. And, and, Okay. Yeah, that's good. We, maybe we should give a few examples of this so that it helps convey it. Yesterday morning, uh, one of our ladies was teaching the kids the old fable, which isn't from the Bible. I needed to point out to my kids <laughs> of um, the cry for wolf. And uh, and so it, it's interesting because now, now I can actually say to my kids, um, don't cry wolf. And all of a sudden that story, that phrase will have significant meaning to them because of a story that's behind it. It'll carry the weight of the full story, not just the three words that I say. Mm. Um, but let's think of a few examples of in, indirect teaching or teaching in in the third. Uh, so I was wondering, John or Emily, do you have any examples of parables or stories that have meant more to you? Go for it, John. I don't have any specific examples, but I, looking back, I know that um, after uh, a period of uh, wonderful grace through our, our lives, we um, entered a period of some significant struggle. And at that point, we started to meet people and we would share our difficulties with them. And it was very uh, evident that all of a sudden there were a lot of people around who also had difficult stories to tell and so there was this sharing of common experience that that went on um, which was a revelation because uh, you know I, I had not had great difficulties um, previous to to where we ended up and um, and yet there were all these people who were experiencing life at uh, a, a different level and uh, when they shared it, sharing those stories, it was a, 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 a very um, uh, comforting experience really that you weren't on your own and that this was a, uh, something that uh, people uh, were, um, you know, prepared to share their, their difficulties. So without going into specific details, this was um, uh, a, um, a revelation, really, um, of shared experience. Um, this was very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great job. How about for you, Emily? I can't think of one specifically either, but I do like that when he does tell a parable in the story, uh, in the Bible, sorry, 
the Bible's not a story. Well, it is, but um, like Anne said before, people could get quite hostile. People were trying to catch Jesus out in lies. People were trying to trip him up, but he kind of uses these stories to get them to answer their own question. So it's almost just like a really clever way to help that person reach an answer without Jesus just going, well, the answer's B. He kind of helps them to get to that point to avoid anything. Yeah. And so so a good example in Christian circles is I I could ask the phrase, who is my neighbour? Now, Jesus told a story that elaborated on that, which is the Good Samaritan, the guy who cared for um, a person he should have been hostile to and actually cared, cared him back to health. Um, and so if I say the phrase in a, in a Christian circle, who is my neighbour, then in your mind and heart, if you've engaged with that story in the past, then you'll fairly quickly come back with, oh, it's the neighbour is the good Samaritan, the person who cares for those well outside their normal networks. Um, and so that this parable, have, if you've studied that story, that will have extra weight. And so when I say who is my neighbor, then you'll carry that with you. Um, it also means we have a common language of understanding, which I think is pretty significant. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I, I now have a shorthand of love. I could say love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, or I could, or I could have the well, who is my neighbor phrase, and that would be fairly equal internally. Um, in in Matthew, in the message version, Matthew 13, it said, um, you read it yesterday, Anne, whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. Um, but if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receiving insight. So this is, this is someone's interpretation of what Jesus said in Matthew 13. And um, the, the question is, why did Jesus teach in parables? And this, this is his answer. He says, look, if people are ready to hear the truth, then, then, then the truth, the understand, understandings will flow freely. Um, but I can imagine there were people who heard this story um, who just glibly passed it off and said, I have no idea what he's talking about, and then just went about their normal day again. And it's interesting how this parable actually teaches... <laughs> how the audience was responding to his teaching, which is quite an interesting turnaround. Um, Dan, I'm going to have to interrupt. I didn't want to before because of the flow of the conversation. Um, I can't hear John and I can't hear Emily, um, at, which is a real bummer. So I don't know what's going on with my technology. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. I it's, don't know how to fix that one. That's a <laughs> no. Um, so the only thing I can do, I can hear you, um, is just um, if, so. If you bet, if you if we keep going, but if you bet to me, I can't respond in the context of what Emily's <laughs> saying and John's saying. I can only respond in the context of what you're saying, which is. A bit hob I'm, I'm a bit hobbled, but we could try and continue on that basis if you would like. We'll struggle on and I'll try and summarise what they said so you can respond to them. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's good. That's a pity. We'll, we'll have to work on that this week. Um, oh <laughs> one clear... Sorry, John, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was going to comment that... Um, uh, 
Jesus had this wonderful ability to uh, speak. The, the, the parables were making things relevant to, to people. They were using the common language and common experiences that they all had. And, mm. uh, um, and, but at the same time, they were challenging um, uh, in uh, making them uh, face uh, that the, the, there were broader issues be behind these things. And then there was a third element to me, which was uh, that he was able to link um, what he was saying and where he was going with it to the Old Testament. Mm. Um, which of course was in those days was the primary reference point for the for, for Jewish life, and so being able to say, well, yes, uh, the, the, how about this farmer, um, and then let's think about Isaiah who said this. You know, it it would have uh, rounded out the whole thing from a. a the um, uh, Jewish perspective, yeah, the, they all knew the stuff about Isaiah, and then the, they knew about this farming stuff, and then all of a sudden there was somebody that was bringing it all together. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I imagine the the people, his audience, would have pretty much marvelled at Jesus' contextualization. So when he when he taught in parables and brought in the Old Testament in a seamless lesson, they would have they would have um, really felt like, oh, wow, this just makes the Bible or the Old Testament come alive. Our, our Torah, these, he's pulling these passages and relating them to today and to farming and to birds in the trees and to fishing and yeah, yeah, that's that's right, that's great, John. No, Anne didn't hear a word of that. <laughs> so it's coming. We could have so much fun with this, but we'll let you. <laughs> yeah, but um, you'll have to listen to the broadcast tomorrow. Yeah, see what they said. So the quote from Isaiah. I don't know if either of you have got that in front of you, or any of you. Yeah, Emily, could you read that bit? Because I think that's this is this is where the parable is coming from. I think. Just the whole bit underneath it. Yeah, yeah. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow, through, flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity disappears. That's why I tell stories to create readiness to nudge the people towards receptive insight. Mm. I think it's just Matthew thirteen twelve twice. Maybe the quote. Yeah, is it is. It is. So I was going right. to go for um, verse 14 and 15. Let, let me read that bit out. It's um, in Isaiah, it says, by the way, Emily, you read really well, but it says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. And you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. Um, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. So it's, and I think that's when Jesus breaks into this parable. So, Anne, I wonder if you could summarise the parable for us. Um, yeah, well, I guess for me, uh, one of the things I mentioned yesterday was about the um, the paths that um, 
were bound with the boundaries, if you like, to these fields. That they um, these fields were part of a much bigger field, and the paths helped farmers just get into each. And that um, you know, when you walk a path regularly, it packs down. And and I guess what the, the people listening to Jesus, they'd heard the Torah before, they'd heard the Bible, they'd heard the scriptures before, time and time again, and they had a particular way of understanding it. And we um, can be the same. And I spoke about how I've grown up hearing God's word since I was a baby, and I've heard lots of sermons, and I've heard lots of sermons on the parables, etc. And I run the risk of ever seeing but not perceiving of ever hearing and not understanding because I think, oh, I've heard all this before. I know what this is all about. And I and I switch off. I, you know, if I'm listening to a sermon, I just, you know, wander off somewhere else with, and think about other things. Um, but what Isaiah is challenging is um, that that mindset, really, that we know it all because we've, we've been through it so many times and and also, um, yeah, so um, when Jesus is talking about the rock, the rocky soil that's that's hard and, and rejects the word, I don't know, I've, I've often thought about it and perhaps other people do, it's people who reject God altogether, you know, mm -hmm. or reject the message altogether. But in fact, this isn't just about that. This is actually about people who have accepted God in their lives, but they're not open to his movement in their lives mm. and and they've stopped being um, available to understand where he's taking mm. them. And that's, that's really challenging. I mean, it, it, it is about people just switching off. I, I don't believe in this and what we do about that. And that's another part of the discussion that we can have. But... It is as much about, well, when do we basically say, well, God, you talk to the hand. I've, I, I'm not going there. Yeah. Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. I've heard this all before. And, yeah. and not letting it sink in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there, there are four, four types of paths. The first one is this rock hard soil, which could either be a blah, blah, blah. I've heard this all before. And uh, I can't remember. What was your phrase then? Oh. Um, oh, talk to the hand. <laughs> Talk to the hand. I like that one. Talk to the hand. Um, or, or it could be my mind is made up and I don't need to hear anymore. I know what I believe. And it could be that rock hard as well. Yeah. So then the, the and next, and the, the interesting thing that it says is that the, the devil comes and <laughs> takes the seed away, it, which is interesting for me. It's um, the seed doesn't even germinate, like it's never germinate or anything. It's just plucked away and done. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and, and so there are two things going on there, I think, that um, one, when, we're, when we think we've, we know enough and we stop listening to God's spirit moving in us, then um, it is. It's really easy then for, um, you know, for, for Satan to then just take it away and we never... Think about it again we never apply that into our lives like jesus wanted us to do and the other thing is um because we're we know we don't see we don't perceive even though we're seeing we don't 
understand, even though we're hearing, we um, we haven't got the opportunity of examining ourselves honestly and turning back to him and then having him heal us. And and so we miss out on all that healing that he can give us. Yeah. Yes, when we think, um, reduce this to just an intellectual exercise. Leave that with other people to throw yeah. around. We've got God in a Sorry, box. So we, we, oh. we don't need um, uh, uh, to uh, uh, take any further action, you know, that we're on top of this. We, uh, that's another way in which uh, rejection can occur because we're hearing it, but we're just not doing it. And, mm. uh, uh, yeah. Hard lesson because then that's all about the cost of discipleship and dying to self and all, all of those sacrificial sides of Christianity, which you know, without it, um, it's just an intellectual exercise. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Em Emily, yesterday we talked about the image of the depth charge. Did, did you pick that bit up? I'm trying to remember it. Grace did Otherwise scream I'm... for part of the, well, not scream, was very unsettled for part of Anne's lovely message. Yeah. Do you want me to throw to Anne for that bit? Yes, please. Yeah. And go talk about the depth charge because I think that's relevant here. <laughs> well, I, that was actually your your metaphor and I love I, it. I got it, and, from, and I got it from somewhere that, else. Yeah. Oh, did you? Well, it's a great one. But essentially um, the whole point of a depth charge is that it, it drops into the water and it sinks and then it explodes. And unless we allow um, his stories to sink in and then explode into that ah moment of, um, oh, that's what he means, um, then we don't, we, it, it, it doesn't do any good to us. And I actually used a quote from Calvin Miller in his book, from his book, um, Into the Depths of Christ. And he talks about how um, often we're just happy to go along with the usual spiritual expressions that we've had many times before um, and sort of swim in the shallows, if you like, or, you know, stay in the shallows rather than going into the depths and the depths mm -hmm. are better. And where the depth charge has its greatest impact is when you've gone deep. And, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a wonderful picture. I, I just love it. Because the, the impact of the depth charge was against the U-boats, the submarines mm. that were under the surface, and just letting it go down. And I, I love the, the yeah. moment of when your eyes open, you go, oh, hang on, and you, you get this new realisation or new understanding of something just comes to light, and you're like, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of it like that before. Sort of thing. Yeah. And that's often what the parables do. Yeah, and actually another thought that just popped into my mind, um, Dan, as you were talking, and yes, they were like for U-boats and other, and not, I guess it's not just U-boats, but other um, vessels that are on the other side of, from you, the enemy, if you like. What those depth charges do is um, give you a sense of where the enemy is. So when we were talking before about the hard path and how if, you, um, if you're hardened, well, um, the seeds just get taken away by the birds, by the enemy. Um, mm -hmm. But when you actually listen and take it seriously and study it and see how it applies, 
then you actually <laughs> you actually can identify those enemies in your life if you like that mm. to take you away from from Jesus and, and yeah. your walk of faith. Well, that, that leads us into the second path, the second type of soil, I think, is that mm. there was also a shallow soil and that soil, so people heard the teaching and it would get, get roots coming out of the seed and it would start to actually um, grow. But then as soon as there was the heat of the day, um, those those seeds didn't have enough depth and they withered up and, and sort of lost any life out of them. How, how does that relate? John, do you want to take us on this one? How, how does that story, what do we get out of that story? Well, I suppose it's um, taking us this idea of uh, the intellectual uh, understanding only a bit further. And, uh, um, you know, if, if our Christian faith is limited in any way, then we're not going to grow. And, uh, um, you know, if we, we need these deep uh, or deeper understandings in order to, to grow, um, which means we've got to be open and we've got to be uh, uh, a, a lot more receptive than um, the uh, shallow type of soil uh, analogy that we're using. Mm. So it's, um, it's one about taking it seriously and uh, you know, take it on board and trying to actually um, live a, a, a life full of truth and grace. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a bunch of youth work, um, and I was working in some pretty rough estates over in the UK. And we'd spend a couple of years um, getting to know these kids. There was a couple of guys. They they barely didn't um, show that I existed for the first couple of years. I think it took two years before one of them said hi. Um, and and we'd work with these guys and. I feel like um, in those communities, often we would work at community transformation about saving young lives, about helping them um, <coughs> find themselves and their purpose and their worth. Uh, and we'd spend these couple of years trying to help them find that value. Um, but for some of them, for some of them, it was transforming. For others, it, there, there was a little bit of growth and you could see that there was a little bit of change and they were just starting to sort of um, come come around or, or, or grow and develop. Um, but then I think the growing and developing and stuff was too unfamiliar for them and they just very quickly retreated back to the old ways. And I, I think this all reminds me a little bit of that, of um, just coming around to like just giving it enough airtime or enough attention to realise, oh, I, maybe I should change my behaviour or my values, the way I see the world. But then the, the soil is too shallow and you just think oh no nah, it's too much work can't be bothered and then just get back in with the normal again and so i often i feel um i've often been praying for these guys and wanting them to find the fullness of life but it for some of them the soil was shallow and they just didn't make the change started but didn't make it and it's heartbreaking i think mm -hmm. as, a, as i'm trying to work through that mm -hmm. yeah. Um, 
Okay, the third soil, Emily, I'm going to throw to you in a sec. So the third soil was one I might have, did I get these two mixed up? But anyway, the third soil is the rocky, um, we've got the rocky ground where the birds take it up, the shallow soil, and then there's the weedy, the weedy field. So, um, and basically the Jesus is saying that uh, the seed fell on some soil where there's a lot of weeds and it grew up and, and the weeds choked it. So mm -hmm. do you want to have a go at explaining that one? Yeah, so in that example, I think people get really concerned with what other people think about them and they worry too much about that and they might uh, fall into the traps of jealousy or being angry or being um, materialistic and it's those sorts of things, those big gods that God talks about, you know, don't worship money, don't worship status. Um, they're the things that choke people up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so weeds are the... Um, money, status, power, yeah, fear of what others think, yeah, yeah. And do you want to take that any further? Um, yeah, it, it's uh, so there's that, and there's also the fact that what goes with that is lots of worries. Uh, you know, people can get worried, so they, um, it's you know, I don't know, um. It's so easy to just fall into, oh, gosh, you know, this is really bad and, you know, I, I don't know how we're going to work through this and all of that kind of stuff. And or, and, it, and a lot of that's quite, it can be quite legitimate. Uh, some, a lot of our concerns are quite appropriate concerns to have, but they become like all-consuming and we can really brood on and our anxieties kind of take over mm. and, uh, and it kind of pushes out. Um, our joy and it pushes out all thought of trusting um, God with our lives and um, it, we can get so wound up it starts manifesting in physical ways as well. Um, so, yeah, so there's the status side of it and, you know, the going after wealth, which also becomes all-consuming, it kind of that... It, it it's kind of reinforcing in many ways. But um, there's also that side of it. And so Jesus says, you don't have to worry about what's going on. You know, give your entire focus to what God's doing right now in your life and around you. And, um, and just remember he's got you. And all your everyday human concerns, <laughs> he understands those. And he'll help you. Um, meet those and as you hit obstacles and problems and really real, really significant hardships um, he'll work the, he'll walk the journey with you mm. um, and that's I think that's worth remembering and it's also at that point that we we can actually if you like um, shrivel up otherwise if we don't hold on to his promises mm. yeah. I also wanted to just adding to what Emily said as well. I, I think um, God might have some beautiful insights to teach you um, or some beautiful new realizations, um, but we get so distracted by what's around us. So I, I might be wanting to, to work on certain parts of my life or faith or things, um, but I'll do that later because I just need to watch Lego masters first and let that finish or, or, um, I'm really happy to spend some time with you, God, but I just need to 
check my Facebook first and then get distracted with that. Like I, I sort of see all this as the weeds as well as the things that get in the way of what Jesus wants to teach us. Um, if I, I can imagine that if I, instead of just flicking around Wordle and Facebook for half an hour, if I sat on by some still waters somewhere and just asked God, what do you want to teach me today? If I had an open heart and was receptive, I, I would learn stuff, but instead I'd just go for these weeds that take my time. I think that's another part as well. Okay, the last bit of the parable is um, the seed that falls on the good soil. John, do you want to elaborate on that bit? Like, can you explain the story and then elaborate? Well, of course, if you've got good soil, deep roots are possible. You've got nutrients that... Uh, uh, feed you and um, support you and uh, so you know real positive growth is um, uh, readily available if you immerse yourself in it um, uh, of course weeds like nutrients as well <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's not necessarily all that um, you know these things are still there so we need to uh, um, make sure that uh, we continue to take advantage of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the feeding that's available and the, um, uh, the, the deep roots that are possible. Um, mm. um, and then we will truly grow in our faith. Yeah. Um, it, it's a thing that the farmers would recognize readily that, you know, um, you, you can you, you you need to feed your your crop as well. You need to water it, and, mm. uh, fertilize it, and look yeah. after it. Um, so here's my uh, big question with with this bit: is can I till my soil to become good soil, or is Jesus just talking about different kinds of people? And yeah. well, to continue the plant analogy, of course, some plants needs very specific uh, feeding so some like acidic soil some like um, alkaline soil and if you put them in the wrong place at the wrong wrong time if they're not able to take up the nutrients that you're providing then you uh, they don't grow so um, you can make these things available uh, but if it's the wrong uh, wrong thing for the plant at the that, in that particular position hmm. it's not going to work you've only got let, to look at my garden you'll find yeah. that out very, very quickly <laughs> let me rephrase my question so this is for you Anne. um jesus is talking to a specific audience and he's actually pointing out that some of you are rocky soil or a path can that person become good soil like is that where this does his parable parable go that I, far? Or? Well, I actually think they can. When I think about, um, we've all been made in God's image, and therefore we all can be good soil, um, because that's how He's made us to be. <laughs> and the other thing I think about with with a field is that it's there through the seasons. So it's not just one season in which the plant, the, the, the farmer plants the seed you know, and then, you know, lets it settle and then prepares it again and puts in more seed. And 
so I think that means that any of those bits of soil, like the weed, where the weeds are, where the where it's shallow, where there's hardness, that um, it's it's possible, and I think God wants to incorporate those parts into the good soil. And we know if, if we're gardeners, and I'm not a gardener, but um, Dale is my husband, and I've seen plenty of people who are gardeners, and they might start off with soil that's really rocky. And there is a mount, there's a huge amount of hard work that goes into removing the rocks, but they do. And then it is able to be um, used for, for growing things. Um, and then there's always that continual work to do with the weeds and and if there's a, a part of their garden that's already very overgrown with weeds well again it'll take some effort and and maybe you have to put some protective covering on your hands because they're a bit thorny in places but you can pull up those weeds and then you might have to just keep pulling them so that they are you know where you've left the roots in they weaken but um, you can actually clear that soil so that it becomes good soil. And where mm. there's gravel, you can either remove it and dig down to good dirt, or you can actually overlay it with enough layers of good soil that mm. the roots can go down and, um, and can settle and become a really good harvest. So, um, but that all takes time and it all takes hard work. And the other thing is even the good soil needs to be continually turned over um, to stay good soil and that's hard work and 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 i think too that of i think the farmer could i think jesus calls us sometimes to be the farmer he calls us to do the hard work um mm. to help remove those stones to pull out the weeds to mm. um turn the soil and i i was watching chosen uh the the chosen um which is that program that's gone ballistic on youtube and mm. everywhere else uh, and it is a great program but in the second episode i think it is of the second series it opens with two of his followers having been instructed by jesus to go and plow a field now they don't have oxen which was were normally used so they just used themselves to pull this really hard plow and 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 break up this soil ready for planting mm. and i loved that image they did it because their master their their um their teacher told them to go and do it they didn't know why exactly they just knew that this is what he wanted them to do and they were prepared to put in the hard labor to get mm -hmm. that soil ready for hard work. So, yeah, yeah. I, I love the thought that there might be hard hard places in my life that that are not lost but can be tilled and restored um i spent i lived for a few years up in the midlands and watched them transform pretty arid land into some really beautiful producing cro crops um i've also been to jerusalem to israel where you can see places that were desert are now thriving fruit orchards um and so this thing of having parts in in our lives not that not that the whole of me is hard rock rocky road but there are parts of my life that where if seed falls on them i will be hard and rocky but i but i can actually till that and actually make it profitable jesus says um 160 or 30 times more life than, than what went into it yeah 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's an, uh, entirely appropriate because I, I think that's incorporated into the parable. You know, it says mm. the farmer scatters the seed and some of it goes there and some of it goes onto the uh, soil. Some of it goes amongst the weeds. It's not all of it. Um, and so I think it's a, a, a really a, a appropriate um, metaphor. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, for for our whole lives, because we have areas in our lives that uh, represent those, um, well, sorry, yeah. reflect those uh, those conditions, and um, so yes, I totally agree with you. Mm. That's the time. <laughs> who's who's close to that? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that came all the way from England, didn't it? Okay. Uh, Let's not go down that story, but nice to see Grace turning up. We will be finished. We'll finish up here, but I, I'm enjoying watching Grace every week. She's a little bit older in this podcast. That's <laughs> so, great. She's looking wide awake. Great. And any last words, guys, before we finish up? Um, yeah, I'd just like to come back to that idea of us being in a field together. Um, in fact, I found a I don't know if I can show it to you. I've got a book called The Art of God, The Heavens and the Earth. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a wheat yeah. field, as you know, yeah. and it's it's ready for harvest. That's it. Yeah. Hope yeah. you can see it. But what I love about it is um, it's, it's not just one pit of wheat. It's not just um, a, uh, you know, a, a single stalk. Because when Jesus um, sows his seed, he sows it with the idea of building a kingdom and we are part of, you know, we're, we actually are alongside of others. Now, sometimes we might lose sight of the fact that we are, we have others who are beside us also growing and, and they're on their journey of faith and we actually share the kingdom together. And, um, and that means that... Um, I'm stepping outside of the parable now, but we can help each other to grow. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I just love that, mm. that the, the harvest, the fruitfulness comes from being with others who believe and who are with walking their faith journey. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciated that thought yesterday as well. Mm. Yeah. We're not, not alone in this. Okay, we'll, we'll finish up there for today. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really hoping that a few of the listeners can actually start, continue this dialogue in the comment section below the video or beside the podcast, wherever you find it. Um, just bring out some questions. Let's keep dialoguing it through. And that's, I think, from today, what we've carried is let's work out which parts of us are rocky soil. Um and actually work on tilling tilling that and being open and receptive. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks. So thanks for joining us for Next Steps Podcast. <laughs>